Hey there, welcome to the Sparkable Moments podcast, where we have conversations to feed the soul. In this show, we explore the human experience using a mix of science and personal stories, random ponderings and deep end of the pool discussions. I'm your hostess, Suzette Conway. I'm a happiness coach and the creator of the Flitter Sphere, which is a community of women intent on crafting our most vibrant lives. This show is part of my mission to raise the world's vibration and consciousness by creating better human experiences to change the world in beautiful and spectacular ways. I'm so glad you're joining me on the journey. Okay, be sure to stick around until the end of the episode today. We're actually interpreting one of my personal dreams, and I'm sharing the steps for how to do it so that you can apply it to your own life. And at the end of the show, I share a real-life experiment that you can try that only takes five minutes a day. You won't want to miss it. It's so much fun and so easy to do. On today's show, I'll be talking about using dream analysis as a tool for developing your self-awareness, which is a foundational skill for intentionally creating your most vibrant life. Now, like the other vibrant living tools that I teach my clients, dream analysis is rooted in self-awareness because when you understand the workings of your inner mind and see the truth of yourself, you can use what you find to shift into higher states of being where it's easier to create the things you want in your life. So, What is dream analysis? It's the process of examining and interpreting your dreams to gain clarity on the things that your unconscious and subconscious minds are processing, the things that may be hampering you in your conscious daily activities. It helps to see the underlying thoughts and feelings and assumptions and beliefs and so forth so that you can work with them and move past them as you address whatever issues need your attention in your day-to-day life. It's a powerful tool for understanding the workings of your inner mind. Dream analysis is rooted in mainstream psychological techniques, and it was pioneered by psychologists like Carl Jung, who believed that dreams were your mind's attempt to communicate important things to you. But you don't need to be a Jungian psychologist to interpret your own dreams. I learned it from my own therapist who was trained in Jungian methods, but it's a skill that you can learn. And I believe that there's no way to get it wrong because the intent of it isn't to get a perfectly correct answer to some deep-seated struggle. The intent is to practice self-awareness by asking questions and being open to receiving insights that come from exploring your subconscious mind, all without making any of it mean anything about you. With dream analysis, self-awareness is both the skill you're practicing and the outcome you're creating. To understand this, it helps to have some knowledge of the levels of consciousness in the human mind. So let's start with a primer on that. So your conscious is your awareness that you exist and that things exist inside of you and outside of you. Your consciousness is knowing that you know you exist. It's tied to how you understand and experience yourself and the world around you. You can think of it as your inner life. It is your awareness of your thoughts and feelings and memories and your awareness of things like your mental processes, right? Like how you perceive stuff, which is taking in information and identifying it and ordering it and assigning it meaning and value you, that kind of stuff. That's everybody perceives things, right? And we all kind of have our own mechanisms for how we do that. So your consciousness is involved in how you perceive things. It's also about being aware of how you learn, 
how you manage your attention. And critically, it's the ability to be aware of that inner life, all of that stuff, and the ego that is part of it. So I call the ego the beast. And this is an acronym, right? T-H-E-B-E-A-S-T, that represents your thoughts, your emotions, your beliefs, your experiences and expectations, your assumptions, your stories, your strategies, the structures and habits that you use in life, and your triggers. And yes, a beast can be a large, scary monster, right? But it's not trying to harm us. Its job is to protect us from dangers. That's our ego's job. Our mind sees danger as anything that's unpredictable or unknowable, like wanting to start your own business or moving to a new country. In an effort to keep you safe from the dangerous unknowns of those experiences, the beast rises up and sends you thoughts like, I can't do this. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I don't deserve this. See, I'm not allowed to have what I want. Something always gets in the way. These limiting beliefs are one tool of your ego's efforts to keep you safe. Now, your instinct may be to just kill the beast, to eliminate those kinds of beliefs and thoughts and stories, right? So that it doesn't get in your way of starting that business or moving to Paris. This is the goal of most self-help programs, to get rid of the limiting thoughts and feelings. But remember that the beast, your ego, serves an important function. And while it can be scary to look at, it does not need to be killed. It needs to be befriended. It wants to be seen and understood and valued and supported. So put another way, your limiting beliefs and habits and feelings do not need to be eliminated to fix you. They are part of you and there is no need to deny or destroy any part of you. In fact, there is freedom and power in honoring all of ourselves, in seeing all the parts of us as valid and valuable without judgment or labels or fears. Befriending the beast is an essential tool for living a good life because your consciousness includes more than your awareness of the beast. It includes your awareness of how you and other people are influenced and impacted by the beast and how they're influenced and impacted by your reactions to it. So my personal coach has a saying that I just love. Um, she says, powerful people can look at the truth of themselves. And I'm going to add to that. Powerful people can look at the truth of themselves and use what they find to create vibrant lives. Conscious living is a superpower. Your ego is not the enemy. It's a friend trying to help you, but you have to be willing to respect it and use it as a resource. Now that we know what consciousness is, let's look at the various levels of consciousness in the human mind. We'll start at the bottom and work our way up. Um, if, it might help if you imagine like an iceberg, we're in the deep dark ocean and working our way up towards the bright open sky. So at the bottom of the ocean is the unconscious mind. This is a collection, a repository of thoughts and urges and memories, past events and experiences that we don't remember. These things are outside of our awareness, but they continue to exert influence on our behaviors, even though we're unaware of them. The unconscious can include repressed feelings and hidden memories, old habits, thoughts, desires, reactions. It's a reservoir of things that we find unacceptable or unpleasant or too painful or embarrassing or shameful or otherwise distressing to consciously face. So the unconscious mind is about information storage. The subconscious mind, the next level up, is about information processing. It records our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, our experiences. It records our likes and our dislikes, our beliefs and our values, right? And then it determines our memories 
and it monitors the information all around us, deciding what to send to the conscious mind and what to store for later and how deeply to store it. The subconscious mind is the part of our mind that makes decisions without our needing to actively think about them, and often it does so without our awareness or our involvement. This part of our mind is stuck in the past and usually unwilling to change. I love how it's described in the book Awaken to Superconsciousness. Author Swami Kiranyanda says that the unconscious mind consists of, quote, the unprocessed residue of thoughts, actions, and memories that are ever present, but more or less unnoticed. They greatly influence the conscious mind, which doesn't often realize how ungoverned by free will its decisions really are, end quote. So the subconscious mind has a huge influence on how we think and act when we're in a conscious state. It affects every aspect of our lives, mostly without our knowledge. Now, something that's key here is that those influences are from past actions and experiences that, and the structures and the habits that we've created from them. And what this means is that the ideas that come from the subconscious mind are old ideas. They are not new and creative. To me, the unconscious and the subconscious sound a lot alike. I tend to think of it like parts of a computer that work together using the same raw materials. The unconscious mind is the database in which we store our thoughts and our feelings and memories and such. And the subconscious mind is the processing chip and the software that helps us use the information to function as we go about our daily lives. Again, most of us are unaware that the chips and the operating systems and the databases are running in the background and impact everything we do in the computer. And if we are aware, we don't likely understand all that technology and how it works. But we can learn to use the technology anyway, like our laptops and our cars, even if we don't fully understand the guts of it, right? We just need to be willing to learn and to engage with some enabling tools like a friendly user interface and a help system. Having the right tools and training makes all the difference. Okay, so that's the unconscious and the subconscious. The next level is the pre-conscious mind. Freud said that this is the part of the mind that includes anything that could potentially be brought into conscious awareness. The pre-conscious mind acts like a security guard, controlling which information is allowed to enter our conscious awareness for daily use. Preconscious memories are not the same as easily accessed memories like knowing your way home. They are unrepressed memories that are no longer buried in our unconscious mind that we can extract for a specific purpose at a specific time. It's like if you have an experience of giving a presentation with spinach in your teeth, it was embarrassing and you don't need that information to function day to day. So you store it away, right? And then one day you pull it up into your conscious mind as some funny story that you use to illustrate how telling someone the truth is better for them than ignoring the obvious for their own short-term comfort. Or maybe it's a memory of being rejected, which leaves you humiliated and feeling unlovable and you kind of stuff that into your um lower conscious minds, but later you can pull it up into your conscious mind when you're helping a friend through a similar situation. So back to our computer analogy, a computer can store data in a long-term storage like hard drive where it maintains the data even if the computer's turned off, but it's a little slower to retrieve that data. Or it can put the data in short-term memory where it holds on to its contents only when the computer is on and functioning, but in that way, it's easier and faster to access so that it can be used when it's actually needed pretty quickly. It's like the difference between saving a file to your hard drive or saving it into your clipboard so that you can paste it into some other place. That's your pre-conscious mind. It's the clipboard. 
Your ego, that inner beast we talks about, sits in these three levels of unconscious, subconscious, and preconscious. They are all beneath the water surface, beneath your conscious aware mind. A big part of living intentionally and fully is learning to surface these things, to bring them up from the lower levels into the conscious mind so that you can be aware of them and actually use them for your own good. The conscious mind, this is the mind in which we operate during our waking hours. It's our thinking rational mind. It's the part of our mental processing that we can talk about rationally. Floyd says that it controls the thoughts and the feelings and the desires of which we are aware at any given moment. In our tech analogy, you can think of this as the files on your computer desktop. They're easy to see and work with and use for your daily needs. Above the conscious mind, at the tippy top of the iceberg as we start to go into the clouds and the skies, this is your superconscious mind. It's a state of heightened awareness that is above the ordinary range of attention. It is the source of our intuition. It is the wisdom we have before we engage with reason and emotions. And it's the seat of our creativity. Tapping into it helps us discover unexpected solutions and create new things and expand beyond what we think is possible. It's also known as the higher self. It can be accessed with tools like mantras or meditations that lift us into a peaceful and energetic state. English poet Alfred Tennyson wrote that the superconsciousness is a state where individuality itself seemed to dissolve and fade away into boundless being, a state of transcendent wonder associated with absolute clearness of mind. Oh, I just love that description. The superconscious mind is your future, and it holds all the information about your personal evolution. I like to think of it as the conduit between me and my own divinity or me and God, right? Okay, so you have the unconscious and the subconscious minds that focus on the past. The pre-conscious mind is the bridge from them to the conscious mind, which is in the present moment. And then the superconscious mind is future focused, and it helps you evolve into your next best self, the, the next expression of your spirit. So instead of lower consciousness stories and beliefs about what we can't do, um, maybe what we're afraid of or ashamed of, the superconscious mind is full of possibility. Instead of memories of what was, it's full of visions of what could be. And instead of rational thinking, it holds the intuitive knowledge of how to create those possibilities. Instead of determining what we do, it gives us room to decide for ourselves, to follow our spirit. Instead of monitoring information around us, it sends us information to use in expressing our spirit in the world. Instead of influencing us, it reveals us. Instead of drawing on the past to create, we can use the superconscious mind to draw on the infinite future to create. And instead of the unprocessed residue of our past, the superconscious mind holds the glittery light of hope and love. A primary part of the work that I do in my own life and in helping my clients is to make the unconscious and the subconscious conscious to surface them so that we can see them, be aware of the things that we suppress and why we suppress them and how that impacts us so that we can understand and forgive and let go and heal. And then those things have less power and influence over us and we can live our conscious daily life with a little more lightness. And then from that place, we can tap into our superconscious. We can engage our intuition and spirit and create what we would love with ease and clarity and joy. Doing this work helps us to have more choice and creative power in our lives. So when I talk about being aware or awake or living consciously, I'm talking about being deeply connected to these aspects of yourself. It's about seeing them clearly and without judgment so that you can use them as tools to serve your highest good. 
Living from a higher energy or a higher vibration is living a conscious life in which you can see the truth of yourself, the dark and the light, the struggle and the power, right? And it's about having the will and the skill to shift from a lower functioning space, like being triggered and reacting in a way that causes harm, into higher spaces where you can see that you're triggered, you can explore it, and you can choose how to respond based on the outcomes that you want for yourself and those around you. Living consciously helps you act intentionally instead of reacting instinctively, which is a foundational skill for creating a happy, fulfilled, healthy life. So that's the overview of the levels of consciousness. Now let's go back to today's main topic of dream analysis, which is based on the belief that just like the beast, dreams are messages from our subconscious. They are signals of things to pay attention to. Dream analysis is a tool to help us grow and evolve. So recently, I woke up from a dream that really stressed me out. It gave me a headache and it left me exhausted like I had used up all of my energy doing whatever I was doing in the dream. I also woke up feeling like this soft sense of fogginess in my brain, and I knew that if I didn't capture the dream immediately, I would lose it. It would fade into the ether of my rational mind and the upcoming day. So I immediately went back to my desk to write it down. This is step one in the process. Write your dreams down as soon as you wake up. This isn't about interpreting the dreams yet. It's about capturing as much detail as possible. Most of us don't remember all of our dreams and that's okay. So when you do remember them, make sure that you capture everything that you can recall. I don't do this with every dream, but if it's a long dream, a detailed dream, a really strong dream that leaves an impression on me and lingers in my awakened mind, I pay attention to it and I write it down. Doing it right away matters before you engage with other thoughts and activities and people. This is because when we dream, our brain is using theta brain waves, which are dominant in deep meditation or in sleep. In theta, we dream with vivid imagery and intuition and information found beyond our normal conscious state of being awake. Theta brainwaves are our entryway into learning and memory and intuition. It's in this twilight state that we are removed from the outside world and we focus on the signals that come from within. So upon waking up, we quickly move from that theta state into alpha waves, which is um, the resting state for the brain. It's the state that we experience when we have a sense of uh, have a sense of being in the present here and now, right? It's this calm alertness. And from alpha, we move into beta, which dominates our normal waking state when we're alert and attentive and engaged in problem solving and decision making and focused mental activity. If you don't capture your dreams while you're in the theta state, you quickly move into faster brainwave states and shift into thinking about things other than what was in your dream. And those things that that were in your dream start to feel ethereal like a fog and they kind of slip between your finger and float away. So you have to capture them. So I'm going to share the dream and how I broke down the symbols in it and connected it to what I'm processing in my life recently. Whether you've ever analyzed your own dreams or not, I encourage you to listen to the whole episode so you can get some ideas for how to do this in your own life. There are sure to be some spectacular aha moments, sparkable moments. There always are when we look for them. And that is step number two in the process. Be willing to look for the symbols in your dream and create meaning from them. This is a mindset moment. It's a choice. We make up everything in our heads all the time anyway. We decide what things mean and what it says about us and the world around us. So we can use that skill intentionally to make up what the symbols mean for you. Just take it all in, 
Find out what meaning you're giving something. If you think it doesn't mean anything, give it meaning. Just make it up, right? Even if it doesn't make sense to you, follow that flow of thoughts um, all the way through to the end, and you'll have it in your conscious mind later if you need it. And if it doesn't make sense, you can dismiss it. But you, this is the time for you to capture it. So let me tell you about the dream, and then I'm going to break it down for you. So I was driving back from my hometown in this dream, and I was on a road that I had been on a thousand times. My sister and her daughter were in the car with me, and everything around us was familiar and comfortable and easy. Um, then we drove over a bridge to cross a river that I always cross as I return home. And suddenly on the other side of the bridge, everything was unfamiliar territory. The scenery had changed. The road was a scary, steep downward hill. I didn't know where I was or how I got there, but it wasn't where I wanted to be. It was not my planned route home, and I felt very out of control. I frantically pulled out the GPS trying to figure out where I was, but it wouldn't work. I couldn't find our current location or type in a destination. We were lost big time. And it didn't occur to me to stop and assess or even turn around. I just kept driving forward, hoping to find my way. And finally, we came upon a town and right off the main highway was the town center. And it was bustling with people all around um, this really pretty uh, courthouse. And it was like there was a fair going on. Everyone was happy and running around and having fun and moving from craft tables to food tables and in and out of the buildings. Like they didn't have a care in the world. So my sister and my niece went to find us some food and drinks, and I sat at a picnic table under the tree next to the courthouse facing the main highway. I took out the GPS again. The screens would automatically maximize and not let me minimize so that I could move the window around and manipulate what I was looking at. So I would click in the text box and not be able to type anything. It would just come out as gibberish, right? And no matter how hard I tried, nothing worked. I tried to pinch the screen so that I could see the larger area on the map and reorient myself to where we were compared to where I wanted to be, and nothing worked. So I was growing increasingly frustrated. I was swearing and getting angry and throwing the devices on the table. And my family came back all with smiles on their faces and drinks in hand and saying they were going to go explore the area. They didn't even notice that I was struggling. And when they finally did, they didn't understand why. And clearly they didn't care. I was left on my own to my own devices to figure this out. And as I kept trying to make the GPS work and I kept growing angrier and more scared and more desperate, the time was flying by. And I had assumed that other people would start to be worried if we didn't arrive home as expected. So I was getting anxious. And I decided to go and find my sister and my niece, but I was also trying to keep up with all of our things that we had taken out of our cars, like our sweaters and devices and purses and whatnot. And my family had just left them there with me to manage. So I put them in a secure place and went off looking for my family and found them in a group of people. They were laughing and watching other people do something that I couldn't see. Everyone had formed a circle around whatever it was they were watching. And I came up from behind, but I was left on the outside. So I tapped my sister on the shoulder and I told her that we needed to go. We need to figure out how to get home. But she didn't want to leave. They were having fun. So I went in the building and continued to try to get the GPS to work, but it wouldn't. I was near tears. I was frustrated. I was scared. I knew I couldn't get us back home. And I thought we would be stuck here forever in this strange town where we did not belong, in the wrong place, not the place we were meant to be going. So I tried to get our stuff and go back to the car, but now I couldn't find our things. And then at that moment, a strange man came up and he asked what the problem was, but he didn't really seem interested. It was like he was humoring me because he knew the truth was that we would never get out of there um, and we were kind of stuck. 
So I finally made it back to the picnic table and tried to breathe and collect myself. And when I looked up to the main highway, I saw a sign telling me what town we were in and the highway number. And I instantly recognized it and got so excited because I knew how to get home from here. I didn't need the GPS. I knew my way. So I ran to get my sister and my niece and said that we could go home. And it was tough to get them to come with me, but I did. And we piled all in the car and we drove off towards home. And it was all okay. And I could breathe again. And I exhaled and relaxed and enjoyed the drive, certain in the knowledge that I was on the way home and on the right path. And then I woke up. This dream is full of stress and struggle, and it's full of symbols for me to unpack and learn from. So I'm going to move through this symbolism quickly, and and I'm not going to cover absolutely every little thing, but I want to give you a sampling of how I made the symbols in this dream mean something, and then you can try to notice the themes and the key concepts that pop out. So you'll notice as I go on, my ego, that beast inside of me, gets more desperate. It's bringing out all its old greatest hits, right? The stories and beliefs and assumptions and fears and expectations that I have, all in an effort to keep me still and not growing and creating. And that's its job, safety and efficiency. And it was on full safety patrol here. So this is step number three. This is where you actually interpret the dream. Break that dream down after you wrote it all down into a few sentences at a time so that you can look at each chunk of the dream and find the symbolic meaning of it. Consider this through the lens of your ego. What stories is your ego telling you in the dream? How are you defining yourself? Are you smart or incapable? Strong or weak? Free or trapped, right? Look at the assumptions and the fears that are present in the dream. Um, you'll know these things when you see them, right? They're your stories and they're your assumptions. They're going to be familiar to you if you're open to seeing them. So choose to receive the awareness of them and the ease of finding them and they'll jump right at you. Now, before you start this, take a deep breath and set the intention to make a connection between what you're experiencing in your life, either recently or repeatedly, and the symbols that show up in your dreams. Your dreams are your subconscious mind's way of processing the things that you're dealing with recently or repeatedly. Let me give you some context for my dream before we break it down. So lately, I've been judging myself a lot for not using my creative tools consistently, for not being able to form habits as well as others or as easily as others, and for abandoning and half-assing my experiments over this past summer. These experiments were obvious structures that I got intuitively to help me create things I wanted in my life, better health, this podcast, a book I've been working on, and to help me reconnect to my creative process. And I abandoned all of them. Add to that the ongoing stories in my head that I'm failing at life and will have to go back to the way things were many years ago because I'm not a good enough creator or writer or business owner, you name it. I've been questioning why it's taking so long for my dreams to come fully into existence and why I'm not where I want to be when everyone around me seems to be succeeding with ease. On top of all that, I've been telling myself that I've already settled back into my old life in many ways, but without any of the perks. I'm still developing learning experiences for for corporate clients, but at a lower pay and with no benefits and no stability. Now, the important thing to note here is that these are just stories. They aren't objective truth. It's what my mind has decided based on my past experiences, and my ego is throwing it up at me a lot lately because the truth is I actually am creating the things I want, but I've been feeling the pressure of these old stories instead of using the vibrant living tools to process through them and see the truth of what I've been creating. 
Another truth is that I actually enjoy that learning and development work, and it has always factored into my vision in terms of how I form my business. It fits the vision that I have for this period of my life, and it's what I'm choosing. So the truth is, I am creating my coaching programs and the podcast and a life with more freedom than I used to have. But in my ego, I see it as me being very far away from the dreams I set out to create years ago. In a dysfunctional way, it actually spurred me to take action. All of this angst caused me to start sharing what I was creating with people, the podcast, the book. I talked publicly about my lack of bravery, and I'm playing with new ideas and creations all the time. And this stuff serves me in moving my dreams forward. So why the dream? Why is my subconscious mind tormenting me? I'm doing this life, aren't I? What more can I want? Well, The truth is I haven't been at it 100%. I slip out of it sometimes and I stay out of it for long stretches. I'm not using my creative tools consistently, so there should be no surprise that I wake up in my old life, right? Even though the truth is I'm nowhere near my old life, really. It's all just stories. This is a lot of stuff to carry around in my psyche. It's exhausting. And even though I pushed through this mess recently and moved forward with those creations, it came with some struggle, which shows up as resistance and avoidance, psychological pain, self-sabotage, even things like throwing my back out or running late to things or warping my schedule so that I'm working late into the night. It's all struggles, struggles, struggles. Now, I tell you this not to say woe is me or even to criticize myself. I share it knowing that there are some of you out there who might think, gosh, she really isn't good at this. How can she possibly teach anyone else to create this great life if she can't? I share it to show you that having grace for yourself is a creative skill. When you are creating the life you want, evolving into the next level of you, you don't need to be a perfect creator. Perfect doesn't really even exist anyway. It's a myth. Awareness, intention, and intuition are the actual skills you need. In all of what I just described to you and in the dream, notice what I'm noticing. I see what I'm doing by disconnecting from my vibrant living and creative practices. I see the impact that it has on me. I hear my old stories coming up, and I know that these are egoic strategies at work. My ego's goal is to keep me safe by not letting me grow into my next level, which it sees as dangerous. And it is this awareness that allows me to consciously, intentionally shift into a different non-egoic state. That is the mastery. Awareness, intention, intuition, shift and repeat. There is no need for perfection anywhere in that. See, I no longer believe that I need to fix myself. None of us does. I'm not even sure it's possible to fully eliminate old beliefs and strategies, but I can augment them with new agreements and new strategies and new tools that serve my highest good, my true nature and purpose. I can function from a space that allows me to fully express my spirit in the world. And I can do it not in spite of my imperfection, but because of it. It's because I embrace my imperfection that I can orient myself in current reality and compare that to the vision of what I truly want, and then ask my intuition for obvious actions and insights to help me get to my vision. If I think I'm perfect, there's nowhere else to go, so I sit still. And if I wait for perfect to take a step, then I never move because perfect doesn't exist. So either way, pursuing perfection doesn't lead to the outcomes I want. The power is in using my imperfection as a tool. Embracing it allows me to have grace for myself and identify opportunities for growth and creation and joy, and then shift and function from a higher space and energy. So 
Bearing all that in mind, let's take a look at the dream and the symbols in it. Okay, so I'm just going to break out some chunks of this dream. In the, in the beginning of it, I was driving back from my hometown, right? And everything was familiar and comfortable. And this is a really obvious symbol. The familiar and the comfortable is easy. And it's how my ego likes things to be because it's safe. And then, of course, we go right over the bridge and things suddenly get really scary and unfamiliar. Well, a bridge is an obvious symbol of crossing from one state to another, from one place to another, right? One skill set to another, one set of feelings and experiences into something else. And that's exactly what I was working on in my life. And it's what my subconscious mind and ego were trying to show me, like, oh, don't cross that bridge. It's too scary, right? Because their job is to take me um, back into the comfort and the happiness of being where I was and to teach me that leaving my comfort zone isn't safe or desirable, right? And then, of course, when I crossed that bridge, the scenery changed. That's, that uh, hill was really steep and scary. This corresponds to the work I've done in recent years. My world has changed drastically. I changed almost everything about my life. And it has been scary at times. And I've come up with some steep learning curves. And I've been afraid at certain points in my journey. Um, but lately, I've been having lots of anxiety, more than normal, in addition to the fear that comes from changing things. And I've been feeling like I'm spiraling downward in this unstoppable momentum, sort of completely losing control of my life. And I believe this is because I'm actually leveling up. The visions that I have for my life are bigger and bolder, and the skills I have enable my willingness and ability to act on them. My ego knows this. Change is happening and it doesn't like it. This time in my life is a chance to see the change coming and accept that it's scary and choose to do it anyway because it expresses my spirit. One of my mentors, William Whitecloud, says that we need to be vulnerable and accept the risks of being a creator and live fully. I love that this dream and this bit of the scary downward hill is a perfect example of that. Yes, crossing the bridge into new things, leveling up, trying new stuff is scary. But I want to create my life, which means I have to accept the risks and do it anyway. Otherwise, I stand still and I'm not actively creating my life. I become a victim and let it happen to me. So the next bit of the dream was that I didn't know where I was or how I got there, but I knew I didn't want to be there and it was not my planned route and I felt really out of control. And this just mirrors that I was in my day-to-day -day life, my awake life, feeling very lost and uncertain and out of control. Um, it aligns with how I've been feeling in recent weeks and it, it's a common place that my ego goes to take me out when I'm leveling up. So as I do things that get better and better, as I was working on launching this podcast, outlining the start of my book, my ego kind of goes, oh, whoa, holy cow, we don't want those things. So here's how I'm going to take you out. I'm going to start making you doubt yourself. I'm going to have you feel out of control. Things are going to happen that you're going to feel like you can't do anything about. And in that way, you'll pull back and resist a little bit. And my dream was showing me that in a different way, trying to help me see that I was not functioning as well as I could function because of that sense of feeling lost and out of control. And the truth is, there isn't any right way to do things, right? I think I, there's some right way and I had to fix it and I needed to control it. But there is no right way. We all have our own journey and our own gifts and abilities. And we all have our own way, what's true for us. But that wasn't what my dream was showing me. It was showing me fear and the impact of fear so that I could see the impact that fear was having in my life and how it was holding me back. So then, of course, the big symbol in the story is the GPS and me frantically trying to pull it out and figure out how it would work and why it wouldn't work. And I couldn't get anything anything around the technology to work. Well, figuring it out is an egoic tactic. Looking for the right way or trying to figure out how to do something 
doesn't work as well as finding the intuitive way that's true for you, that's obvious, just the very next thing you need to do. And not looking inside myself for my own truth is what causes me to feel lost and panicked. I get disoriented when I don't refer to my own internal GPS. And in this case, I wasn't doing that. I was referring to an external GPS. So my coach calls the GPS a genius possession, a genius positioning system, which I just love. And the symbolism here is that I was looking for external guidance instead of going inside to myself. So this is another big thing in the dream. I didn't, it didn't occur to me to stop and assess or even turn around. I just kept driving forward and hoping to find my way. One of the things that I've learned in my life over the last few years is that hope is not a strategy. It is not the same thing as connecting to your genius and looking for obvious actions to move yourself forward. And the other things that are jumping out at me from this part of the dream is that pausing is a powerful tool. When we give ourselves a minute to get into the gap between a stimulus and a response, it's the key to acting intentionally, to responding rather than reacting. It's the key to mature choice. And so when I'm in crisis, like I was in this dream, the answer isn't to keep moving forward and hope everything just works out okay and ignore the crisis. The answer is to pause a moment and connect with myself and look at what I want and then act so that it's intentional. The other part of this, of course, was that I um, considered turning around, but I didn't. And the truth is, sometimes we need to go back to go forward. We need to relearn things or look at it from a different perspective or position. We might need to go back to trusted tools for safety for a little while. Sometimes we slip into old habits and we need to go back to what is working and away from those old coping mechanisms. When we're creating our dreams and creating the life we want, it's rarely a straightforward trajectory. There are lots of side trips and backward and forward movements. It's a normal part of the creating process. And in this dream, I was not allowing myself to pause, nor was I allowing myself to turn around, to look at things from a different perspective, to get off the beaten path. I just kept driving forward. And that represented this mindless, stubborn use of old methods and coping processes um, and acting as if life you know, over the past few weeks was just what I was going to be stuck with. And so I was just going to go on that path. So you can see from how I'm interpreting these dreams and these symbols in this dream, I should say, how it's personal to me and what's going on in my life. Um, and that's what you have to do when you're interpreting your dream. Pay attention to things like, I was frustrated that the GPS wouldn't work. It was a sign that I was frustrated in my own life because I was disconnected from my vision, which is my internal GPS. And I was connected to all the external stuff in the dreams case in the external GPS. So of course I was frustrated. I can't look outside of myself for the right path to go forward. There was tons of other stuff in here. And I, at first I thought I was going to share all of this with you, but I think you probably get the sense of, of what I'm talking about as we um, analyze what each of the symbols mean in this dream. I'm going to see if there's anything else I want to share here. Um, Oh, so when I finally, at the end, when I finally made it back to the picnic table and I looked up and towards the highway and I saw that sign telling me the town I was in and the highway I was on, um, this was really a, a, just a really vivid sign in the symbol in the dream because signs are everywhere when we look for them. I believe that anyway. And when we slow down and take the time to notice them, to be aware and awake, the information and the answers that we need come to us. Just like in the dream, when I paused, when I quitted fretting, when I quit fretting over the GPS, when I stopped trying to convince other people to come on this twisted, chaotic journey with me, when I quit caring what other people were doing at the fair, and I just paused for a moment to sit with what I needed to do for myself, I got the sign I needed. I got clarity on how to go forward. 
So there's all kinds of goodness in this dream. It was full of rich and actionable insights. And it shows me what my subconscious mind is processing. And really, it's part of what I need to process consciously, but I'm stuffing down, right? So it comes to me in the dream. And this is useful fuel for me. I can see my egoic tendencies at action in a way that I can't see them in my day-to-day life. And when I see that, I can respond to it intentionally rather than reacting. And I do this without the need to judge or criticize myself. And in doing so, I reclaim my power as the predominant creative force of my life rather than just letting things happen to me as the will of the universe, like I'm some kind of victim and things are just the way they are. I have to see it and own it in order to shift it. If I run away from it because it highlights that I'm imperfect or because it reinforces my stories or because it's embarrassing to talk about, then I cannot possibly shift it because I can't affect what I'm not willing to acknowledge. And that is step four in the process. This is another mindset moment. Give yourself some grace a break from the judgment and making things mean anything about you. This gives you room to see important things and then use what you find. These messages from my subconscious mind are signs and opportunities. They help me get back to a place of loving, mindful observation so that I can act from there with awareness and intention and intuition instead of acting from judgment and fear. Now, I can make this dream or my recent struggles or my egoic messages and stories and doubts mean all kinds of things for me. Like it, I could say, oh, it's a sign that I'm lazy or unmotivated or incapable of forming good habits or of creating the life that I want. And in the past, I would have done just that. And I'd have stewed in that for weeks and further sabotaged myself. But I don't do that anymore. I don't look at it with self-criticism and judgment. Instead, I look to be aware so that I can evolve The dream analysis, like all vibrant living tools that I use with myself and with my clients, helps me to bring the subconscious into the conscious so that I can use it and work with it. And it can do the same thing for you. It helps to look at our thoughts and feelings and behaviors and expectations and so forth so that we can understand them, so that we can challenge and question them, and so that we can shift and rise above them. It's a tool for seeing where you are and what you're struggling with so you can compare that to where you want to be and make the necessary adjustments. So the noticing of where I am is not to berate myself and criticize myself for not being further along. It is simply input. Often we're afraid to look deeply at current reality. It can be uncomfortable to notice our mental state or our emotions or the progress we are making or aren't making, to notice our triggers and our longings or where we're falling down. But it's essential for the creative journey. And learning to look at it without judgment makes it easier to do over time. And that makes it easier to leverage as a creative practice. Think about the GPS that didn't work. A GPS, like our own internal genius, your intuition, works by orienting us to where we are compared to where we want to be. Without that clarity, we struggle to create things intentionally, to go forward towards what we want for ourselves. So let's summarize the four steps of dream analysis. The first step is to write down your dreams as soon as you wake up so you can capture as much of the detail as possible. Step two is all about mindset. It's You need to be willing to create meaning from the symbols in your dream, being willing to make it up like we do with everything else. Step three, you want to break that dream that you wrote down into chunks of a few sentences and look for the symbolic meaning in each segment through the lens of your ego. Like look for your stories in action, your fears, your self-definitions, that kind of stuff. 
and then choose to receive awareness and understanding of them with ease to see clearly the connection between the symbols in your dream and what you're experiencing in your day-to-day life. And then follow the whispers of your intuition. Step four is another mindset step. You want to make sure you give yourself some grace and the room to see the reality and use it to reorient yourself. I hope that you'll experiment with the dream analysis technique and that you find it to be a useful tool for connecting to and moving around the levels of your own consciousness. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Try giving yourself what I call a five by five by five challenge. Keep a bedside journal for five days. When you wake up each morning, spend five minutes capturing as much detail as you can about the dreams that you remember. And then spend five minutes picking sections out of the dream and finding the symbolic meaning and just kind of guessing at it. And of course, if you have more time, break out the entire dream into chunks and analyze each one. The dream that I had was a wake-up call to reconnect to my magical, creative, vibrant living tools and to my spirit. I see it as a reminder of my glorious imperfection and the truth that I don't need to be perfect. I just need to be awake. Awareness is the mastery. Perfection is a myth. And so with this awareness, I re-engaged with my tools. I got clear new visions of where I am in this moment and where I want to be, and I let my intuition guide me there. Intuition is the only GPS I really need. And you have the only GPS you really need too, because we all have intuition. Well, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed this show, come join the ongoing conversation that we're going to have about it in the Facebook group and share what resonates with you. There's a link in the show notes for that group. Also, please share the podcast with your friends and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thanks for listening to the Sparkable Moments podcast, produced by Purple Chicken Life and shared through the Flitter Sphere. I'm Suzette Conway, and you can find me at flittersphere.com. Remember, you deserve to have your most vibrant life, and the world needs the highest version of you. Those two things are related, and they're worthy of your attention, because you are the only one who can create the life your soul craves. And when you do, everyone around you benefits. So go on, be vibrant.